Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 254. I actually had to check the number. I didn't believe it. I wrote down 254. That's what my notes say. And I went, no, it cannot be that many episodes. I looked back. Yeah, we've done that many episodes. I cannot believe it. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. I am so grateful to the people watching and listening. I just want to say thank you so very much for tuning in. I put a lot into this episode. I'm very proud. I know it's been a while, and uh, I hope the work pays off. I know I just it just it's been a while, and I, I just am so proud of what I've done in this episode. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray. Do a film analysis for him. We'll do a film analysis for Dwayne Haskins, the Redskins quarterback. We'll talk about Terry McLaurin, a cor- a receiver for the Redskins. And I want to say first of all, I apologize that it's taken so long to get two fifty four done. I know it's been a while since the last episode, and I want to be very clear. The next one's going to come much sooner. I have it almost all content complete, and it should come out pretty quickly after this episode. And if you follow me on Patreon, you know the stuff I've been working on behind the scenes. I actually cut some some stuff out of this episode because it was just getting, you know, I I was like, you know, it's been a while. I need to put something out. I can't. It's it's been too long since I've done another, another video, and I've been working, watching a ton of film. And so I just want to say thank you so much. I want to jump in. And I want to talk about first Kyler Murray. So if you don't know, Kyler Murray was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft in 2019. He started all 16 games at quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. He even won the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. And we all know that Kyler Murray has a really good resume. But I watched every game he played last year because I wanted to know, what does the film say about Kyler Murray? Now, After watching the film, I want to start with a statement. In the last three NFL draft classes, 12 quarterbacks have been taken in the first round. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, Tua, Justin Herbert, not to mention Gardner Minshew is starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Drew Locke is starting for the Broncos. There's a new wave of NFL QBs. And if I had to pick one guy drafted in the last three NFL draft classes, one player to build around, I would pick Kyler Murray. People seem to have no idea just how good Kyler Murray is. The dude is incredibly accurate. You put on the tape and you see him dropping dime after dime. He can make every throw you can imagine. Not only is he accurate, he's got an incredibly strong arm. On the roster, he's listed as 5'10". He looks more like he's 5'8". But because of his height, I think people often believe he can't have a strong arm, and that's just wrong. Kyler Murray has a cannon, and he can drive the ball on a line anywhere on the field. So he's got elite arm talent. And then you realize, oh yeah, he can run, and he's dangerously quick. He so often beats people to the outside. He's not the fastest player in the NFL running in a straight line, but his quickness in short bursts is what helps him turn the corner so many times. He's also really slippery in the backfield. He regularly gets away from sacks. 
And it's really fun watching defenders chase them all around, all over the field. Now, here's the key element to Kyler's running. He is so good at avoiding getting hit. Every young quarterback needs to copy Kyler. He slides or he runs out of bounds. He might scramble often, but he almost never actually gets hit. It's so funny, often because of his size, people are afraid he's going to get hurt. But how would he get hurt? No one can touch him. He's been trained to protect himself. He's had it drilled into him. Slide or get out of bounds. But hey, let's imagine he does get hurt. He sprains his ankle. He's not as elusive. And let's say he can't run for a couple of weeks. He'd be totally fine. Because Kyler Murray is not a running quarterback. He's a quarterback who can run. The primary aspect of his game is his ability to throw. He's such a good passer that if he couldn't run, he'd still be fine. His game isn't built around his ability to run. And as a rookie, he's already mastered something that is really hard for young quarterbacks. A lot of young QBs try to run away from a blitz, but not Kyler Murray. He's a pure passer. If you blitz him, he'll hang in the pocket and beat you with his arm. Throwing the football. And that fact is so impressive, given how well he can run. Kyler often uses running as a tool, but not a crutch. His decision-making is phenomenal, and he's really coachable. There was a mistake he made week one against the Lions. Third and 17, he was running and extending the play. And he tries to complete a pass instead of simply throwing the ball away. He throws an interception. And later in that very same game, he was in the exact same situation again. Extending a play, there was nothing there, he's in trouble. But he learned from the past and threw the ball away. After week one, he actually never made that same mistake again. Number one, that shows he got help from his coach. And number two, he was coachable. He learned from his mistake. He took the feedback And changed his behavior. And Kyler Murray is so very fortunate. He's got a great coach, Cliff Kingsbury, helping him out. Cliff is a former NFL quarterback himself. And man, he is a fun offensive mind to watch. He does typical stuff. There's a good play call on the goal line. He sends Larry Fitzgerald in motion. The guy guarding Larry can't get across the field into position. Bang. Touchdown. Great play call. Or against the Panthers. Luke Keekley's trying to guard a running back. It's a bad situation for a defender. He can't get outside in time to guard the flat route. Bam! Great play call. But Cliff Kingsbury is clever. Yes, clever Cliff is alliteration. But it's also true. Against the Ravens, he ran a cool wrinkle where he had Christian Kirk fake a reverse, then pivot and run a bubble. It was wide open. For a big game. Repeatedly on film, you see smart, creative play calling. Cliff Kingsbury is so good at putting his guys in positions to be successful. Kyler Murray is lucky to play for him and have such a good coach guiding his way through the NFL. You know, having a coach with consistent good play design 
is such an advantage. Watching Kyler clearly drove home that young quarterbacks need four things. Good habits, coaching, talent, and teammates. Moving forward, Kyler Murray is in such a good position to succeed. I am confident Kyler is about to destroy the NFL. And I don't think people realize how good the Cardinals are about to be. You know, the one thing the Cardinals didn't have last year was a big receiver who could make plays on the outside, down the sideline against man coverage. Bam! This offseason, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. And you can literally see moments on film exactly where DeAndre Hopkins will fit into the Cardinals offense. You go, oh yeah, he's going to make that play. He'll make that catch. There are so many moments where you go, that's a play DeAndre Hopkins would make. And then the thought of Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins at receiver is a terrifying thought. Now, I do want to say this. I've been very positive so far. Here's one thing Kyler needs to work on as a passer. He needs to more consistently utilize touch. His arm is so strong, he tries to muscle everything in. Because of that strong arm, he probably got away with it his whole life. Almost every throw is a fastball. He needs to get better at throwing the ball up and over defenders. You can tell this is something he was working on last year. Week 17 against the Rams, he even nailed it. He got it right. But it needs to happen more consistently. I also got to say, it was fun watching Larry Fitzgerald. He's the Cardinals' legendary veteran receiver. He's 36 years old. He's not the deep threat he once was. But it's cool how he's adapted his game to stick around in the NFL. He's now basically a big, hulking, receiving tight end. Now, the Cardinals' offense also ran the ball really well. This is something they don't get a lot of credit for. Sure, Cliff Kingsbury came in with the air raid offense. But the reality is the Cardinals were not one-dimensional. They ran the ball well. And it helped them in the passing game keep defenders honest. Now, there are two things I want to end with that really caught my eye. Number one, there's this ridiculous play where David Johnson, who was traded away, breaks multiple tackles, makes the defense look silly. And I don't have a lot of analysis here other than to say, oh my gosh, can you believe this play? It just made me go, wow. It's a big play that stood out to me. I wanted to share it with you guys. Now, number two, there's this guy named Dan Arnold. He played Division Three football in Wisconsin. He's a receiving tight end. Only had eight catches last year. Played in four games, but he had a wild touchdown grab in the corner of the end zone. I'm really curious if Dan Arnold is going to get a bigger role moving forward with the Cardinals. In his very limited opportunities, he made some really solid plays. And I just thought, wow, this guy Dan Arnold seems like kind of a, you know, a quote-unquote nobody. But wow, he's got a lot of talent and I'm curious if the Cardinals use it moving forward. All in all, people need to be aware of Kyler Murray. High school quarterbacks should copy his mechanics. He throws a bubble screen better than anybody I've ever seen. But he's also about to tear up the NFL. You know, he's the best quarterback drafted in the last three quarterback classes. So people better start paying attention to Kyler Murray. All right, I want to talk about Dwayne Haskins. If you don't know, Dwayne Haskins was picked 15th overall in the 2019 NFL Draft. 
He plays quarterback for the Washington Redskins. And I dove in. I watched every single game he played in last year because I wanted to find out what does the film say about Dwayne Haskins? First of all, what I saw was that his rookie year last year was a mess. Before becoming the full-time starter, he was thrown into the middle of a game, not once, but twice. He was put into bad situations, and there had to have been pressure from the owner, Daniel Snyder. Week four, he was put in down 14 in the second quarter against the Giants. He had three interceptions, and he just did not look ready. Then again, he was thrown to the Wolves week eight against the Vikings. He went three for five and had another interception. And it's just not entirely fair to judge Dwayne Haskins off of last year. You know, there are a few small things you can take away about Dwayne as a player. But he was a rookie quarterback, which first of all is always tough. Every rookie QB situation is unique and needs to be treated that way. But he also had a coaching change midseason, a lot of turmoil. And there wasn't a lot of great talent around him. The offensive line had problems. The receivers weren't all great. He had one standout weapon, rookie receiver Terry McLaurin. But that's about it. And that situation hurt Dwayne Haskins. Now, watching film made one thing very clear. Dwayne Haskins is not incredibly talented. You know, when you watch Kyler Murray, he makes eye-popping plays. Kyler Murray does stuff that grabs your attention. Great throws into tight windows. Or, you know, if a pass rusher comes free, Kyler can make a miss and extend a play. On the other hand, Dwayne Haskins doesn't have that same get-out-of-jail-free card. He's not as physically gifted. Kyler Murray has a cannon. He can afford to be a little bit late. Dwayne Haskins does not have that luxury. Of the quarterbacks drafted in the last three draft classes, of the guys drafted to be franchise quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins is the least talented. He has an average arm, and he's not much of a threat to run the football. Now, that's not the worst thing ever. Remember, Tom Brady and Drew Brees are not crazy talented athletes either. And they became legends and Hall of Famers because of the little things they do right. But Dwayne Haskins' margin for error is really low. He can't afford to leave a pass behind a receiver. His ball location needs to be perfect. He needs to have impeccable timing. And he needs to have a deep understanding of NFL defenses. The road might be harder for Dwayne Haskins because he can't lean on natural talent. When you put on the tape, you see a lot of stuff that needs to be worked on. You see a lot of inaccurate throws. You can see that he struggled to throw the ball accurately downfield. This is brutal, but he also honestly needs to learn some self-awareness about his athletic ability. He's not a dual-threat quarterback. He needs to stop trying to run and learn to play from within the pocket. Now, I'm okay with his mistakes. There was a lot of turmoil going on around Dwayne Haskins last year. He's got a new coach this year, a fresh start, and more of a fair chance. But if he wants to make it, he's going to have to be incredibly detail-oriented, and master everything he can control. Now, I will say, I like his footwork in the pocket. He looks like he's doing Elite 11 drills during games, and that's awesome. It seems like he does a lot of work on his own. But his decision-making and his ability to process defenses needs to get better. There are moments where receivers are open, and he just doesn't see it. 
I'm not sure what he's looking at. There's a third and five in the red zone where his receiver does a short motion. And the Jets defender chasing him can't work through the mess to follow the receiver. But Haskins doesn't see it at all. Dwayne Haskins isn't hopeless, but he's got a lot to clean up. Literally everything, accuracy, decision-making, timing, all the above. A lot of the time, he got lucky to have such a good receiver like Terry McLaurin bailing him out of some iffy throws. Not everything I saw was bad, though. There are some good throws on tape. And if he does the work to get better, Dwayne Haskins could make it. Now, one of the things I do like that he does is that if you give him an easy completion underneath, he will take it every single time, and that's a good quality. He's very patient. Drew Brees and Tom Brady are the exact same way. You really don't need to be some unbelievably gifted athlete to make it in the NFL as a quarterback. But you've got to do the little things right. Now, I want to offer a potential future for Dwayne Haskins. I've got some film of Drew Brees. And the situation here is that it's week one. The Saints have the ball. They're down one point, losing 27 to 28. The ball is on their own 25-yard line, and they've got one timeout. The drive starts with a dig to Ted Ginn Jr. 15 yards, really nothing outrageous, just a good, accurate throw on time. The Saints spike the ball. They've got 20 seconds left. The next play is an out route to Michael Thomas. 11-yard gain. Again, this isn't some insane, impossible throw. It's simply Drew understanding the weakness in the defense. The Saints spike the ball again. Now there are six seconds left. The next play is just a simple curl route. Nine-yard gain. Bang. The ball is at the 40-yard line. The Saints use their final timeout. And they kick a 58-yard field goal to win the game. Dwayne Haskins can make every single throw Drew Brees just made. It's okay that Dwayne isn't the strongest or the fastest or even the most talented. Moving forward, he just needs to be accurate, have good timing, and master defenses. It's not as simple as it sounds. It's a lot. But Dwayne Haskins is capable of becoming the franchise quarterback in Washington. Watching film of Dwayne Haskins also allowed me to watch Terry McLaurin. And man... I am so impressed with Redskins receiver Terry McLaurin. He was only a rookie last year, but man, he did not play like it at all. So here's what the film says about Terry McLaurin. Right off the bat, what stood out to me was this guy's speed. He's got the ability to run right by guys. And I watched him do it multiple times for touchdowns. The dude is also really solid against man coverage. He's got multiple grabs on his back shoulder, and he's got great body control. And what's crazy is I could only find one time where Terry McLaurin dropped a pass he should have caught. What stands out to me is that not only does he pretty much never drop the ball, he also often catches passes that he really has no business catching. For example, against the Jets, he basically posterized a guy down the sideline. Or there's another catch against the Packers where he had an insane one-handed catch for a touchdown where he just plucks the ball out of the air. Terry McLaurin seems to catch everything. He's like a Hoover vacuum. And there are so many contested catches on film. So many I couldn't include them all. He bailed out Dwayne Haskins multiple times last year. And even if you hit the guy really hard, he's still going to hang on to the ball. 
He's also a good technical receiver. He runs good routes. He knows how to win inside. And against the Patriots, he beat the legendary Stephon Gilmore multiple times. Some people say he's the best corner in the entire NFL. Well, Terry McLaurin beat him multiple times and had a couple catches. And to do that as a rookie just speaks to not only his route running ability, but also his potential moving forward as a receiver. Stephon Gilmore got frustrated and even ended up getting caught for an illegal use of hands penalty. Terry McLaurin held his own. Another cool thing is just this dude's effort. Whether he's diving for a catch or turning up field, Terry McLaurin goes all out. But here's what puts him over the top. Terry McLaurin goes the extra mile. He will not allow defenders to get interceptions. If he's not going to come down with the ball, he will fight hard to make sure the defender doesn't either. I could go on and on and on. I have so many highlights from Terry McLaurin making catch after catch after catch. The Redskins have a special receiver with Terry McLaurin. He runs good routes. He can win with speed. He makes contested catches. And his effort is top-notch. It's crazy he was only a rookie last year. And the fact that he fell to the third round of the NFL draft, it's unbelievable. Terry McLaurin has a bright future with the Washington Redskins. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Jerry Rice. We'll revisit Sam Darnold. We'll talk about Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. We're going to talk about Josh Rosen. We'll end with Ask Zach. We've got a lot coming up. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. I want to talk about Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice's NFL career is the most impressive in NFL history, if you ask me. I'm going to give you the long version of the story, how I got here. Uh, One of my favorite things in the NFL Madden video game. I'm saying that in case anybody doesn't know that Madden is an NFL video game because I wanted to be clear. One of my favorite things is you pick a receiver in the franchise mode and you try to break every single receiving record with him. You just kind of feed him the ball. It's more complicated than that, but you pick a guy you like, the most talented guy, and you try to break all the records with him. You try to break the most touchdowns in a game, most touchdowns in a season, catches, yards, whatever. It's fairly straightforward. But I have given up on ever breaking the career receiving records in even a Madden NFL video game. Because Jerry Rice's records are just impossible to break, even in a video game. It's never going to happen. He finished his career with 2,000, sorry, excuse me, 22,895 yards, 22,895 yards receiving, 197 receiving touchdowns, and 1,549 catches. It's unbelievable. I want people to think about trying to break Jerry Rice's receiving records. 197 touchdown catches. Only three guys in the NFL last year had 10 catches or more. Two guys had 10 uh, touchdown catches. Kenny Galladay had 11 touchdown catches. But my point is that getting 10 touchdown catches in a year is a big deal. It's rare. In order to break Jerry Rice's record, you'd have to get 10 touchdown catches 20 years in a row. That's to break the 197 record he has. That's insane. That's unbelievable. How about 22,895 yards? That's 1,000 receiving yards for over 22 seasons consecutively. Either that or you do 1,500 yards 
for 15 years, and then you still wouldn't break the record. You'd have 22,500 yards receiving. Then you think about, okay, so touchdowns, yards. Oh, and Jerry Rice also has 1,549 catches, 1,549 catches in his career. Only five players had over 100 catches last year. One of them was Christian McCaffrey, a running back. It's, it's also not easy to get 100 catches. To break or even get near the amount of catches Jerry Rice had in his career, you would need 100 catches for 15 years in a row. I can't even do that in a video game. Usually my guys get old and retire before I can get there. It's unbelievable. Jerry Rice's receiving records are never, ever, ever going to be broken. I want that to be very clear. His records are unbelievable. What's even more interesting is we're about to add another NFL game to the season. The NFL season is going to go from 16 games to 17, and I still don't believe anybody can break those records that Jerry Rice has put in the record book. If anybody ever does break those records, I'll be shocked. But right now, everybody's fighting for that number two spot. And I know I, I didn't even mention that Jerry Rice played with Joe Montana and Steve Young, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But I think the argument could be made, okay, maybe the reason why they were Hall of Fame quarterbacks is because they played with Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is unbelievable, and I just encourage you, go look at the records he put up, not to mention how many years he played for, the level he played at so consistently. He played in a different NFL with different rules. Jerry Rice... I just, I've always known Jerry Rice is the, uh, like kind of the god of receivers. He's the best receiver in NFL history. But if you dive into what he did in his career, it'll just blow your mind. Jerry Rice is unequivocally the best receiver of all time. And his numbers, I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a stats guy. I think they're easily skewed and kind of ridiculous. Jerry Rice's numbers speak for themselves. They're so good that even me, a guy who makes fun of stats and doesn't buy into them, has gone okay. It's very clear. Jerry Rice's numbers are unbelievable. All right, I want to clarify something that I talked about in my last episode of Strong Opinion Sports. I did a topic. The question was, who would I pick, Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold? And I want to clarify because, you know, some of my comments, I want them to be remembered the right way. Because when, you know, 10 years from now, when people look back on this segment right now, if they ever do, if anyone cares enough to do that, I just wanted to be very, very clear what my thought process was. I picked Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield. But my concern is that I'm not sure I made it clear enough just how close it was. I was splitting hairs, kind of like splitting the atom. I was like, man, this comes down, it's neck and neck. And really, it literally came down to who's better with the media, who handles the media better. I decided Sam Darnold handles the media better. Uh, you see more negative stories about Baker Mayfield. It kind of allows you to jump to conclusions about stuff off the field and how he handles things. But the reality is that it's neck and neck. If you compare Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, I mean, man, it is basically a tie. They're so close, in my opinion. You know, I got a question on Ask Zach. People wanted me to pick a side. I chose Sam. But here's how I could be wrong, and here's what I do not expect to happen with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. You know, Sam or Baker, whichever one of them, I think could have a more successful career. But when I watch film, the talent and the ability is the same currently and will likely always be very close and very similar between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. You know, picking Sam was kind of an assumption based on, okay, 
I'm assuming they're in equal situations. I'd pick Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, again, it's very, very close. And the one thing I don't expect is for one of them to have a massive amount of success while the other one doesn't. I don't believe that one of them is going to be Peyton Manning just killing it, winning a Super Bowl, having a great career, while the other guy's a massive failure like Ryan Leaf. I don't believe we're going to have a situation like that. I don't think one is going to fail miserably while the other is a massive hit. I think what's more likely is that both Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield are good quarterbacks, and one will be more successful than the other, kind of like... You have Tom Brady, who's more successful than Philip Rivers, or Drew Brees is more successful than Philip Rivers. But they're similar talent levels at the end of the day. One of them just had a better career with more wins or whatever because the circumstance around them was a little bit better. Now, I don't know who's going to have a better career, Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. Now, who's going to become the Philip Rivers type and who's going to become the Tom Brady guy? I don't know. Is it going to be Baker? Is it going to be Sam? I don't know. And I'm very curious who's going to finish their career, you know, with a better resume at the end. I I don't know. Sam or Baker. It really depends a lot on how the team around them builds right now. I think Baker's got a lot of weapons, good people, good coaches around him, where Sam Darnold is still kind of floundering and figuring his way out and really not being supported very well by the New York Jets. But when you watch film, when you watch the film, you go, okay, Baker and Sam are both talented. It's very, very close. And really to this point, They also haven't been very well supported by their head coach, their team, their offensive line has both been really bad. You know, Baker's offensive line was bad. Sam Darnold's offensive line was bad. Baker Mayfield had to deal with Freddie Kitchens, which was awful. So to this point, neither has gotten a lot of success or a lot of support, excuse me. But both Baker and Sam are very, very talented. I want to be very clear. When I picked Sam Darnold over Baker Mayfield, I had to be, you know, put on the stand, which one would you pick? I picked Sam, but it was very, very close and basically splitting hairs. And I just do not see a situation where one is massively better than the other when you look at film and look at talent levels. Because I think they're just both very close and it's splitting hairs between picking between Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. All right, I've gotten a lot of angry messages from people. I did a film analysis of Sam Darnold. And the film shows that Sam is talented but the Jets are not supporting him properly. Now, Josh Rosen fans were very, very, very mad at me about that. They said, why are you calling Josh Rosen a bust while still supporting Sam Darnold? People keep saying that, you know, Josh Rosen was put into two bad situations. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals, his rookie year. And then last year with the Dolphins. And, you know, Here's why I still believe in Sam Darnold, even though I've given up on Josh Rosen and believe Josh Rosen is, in fact, a bust in the NFL. First of all, when you watch Sam Darnold's tape, there's just too many good things to be ignored. Sam Darnold is clearly very, very, very talented. I can't say the same when I watch the film of Josh Rosen. I see a lot of bad stuff. I see a lot of bad stuff around him. But at some point, you're like, hey, the guy's got to produce, and I haven't seen that from Josh Rosen. And I want to ask people, what has Josh Rosen done in the last two years? What has he done recently to make people believe in him as a franchise quarterback? Nothing. Nothing. No, the reason why people believe in Josh Rosen, the reason why people want Josh Rosen to have another chance in the NFL is because analysts said he was good coming out of college. 
around the time of the NFL draft in 2018, people said, Josh Rosen's really good. He's so great. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And Josh Rosen was massively hyped. And that hype has lasted so long that even after failing with the Cardinals and the Dolphins, people still want to see Josh Rosen get another chance. But it also rings a little bit hollow when people say, you know, he just wasn't in a good situation with the Miami Dolphins last year. You know, I did a film analysis of Josh Rosen. I think it was called, you know, everybody around Josh Rosen is terrible or something like that. And that was my opinion. I said, look, the Dolphins are not a good team. And you can blame Josh Rosen, but it's also the fact that the people around him are bad. But then after I did that film analysis video, Josh Rosen got benched. And Ryan Fitzpatrick became the quarterback once again in Miami. And whoa, Ryan Fitzpatrick found a way to win with the Dolphins roster. In spite of all the bad people around him, Ryan Fitzpatrick made it work. Why couldn't Josh Rosen also make it work? It's very telling. And here's the final nail in the coffin, in my opinion. And, and I can't believe nobody can seem to comprehend this. I've said this many, many times. And every time I say it, I get so much pushback. People get so mad at me. It blows my mind. Josh Rosen has been replaced, not once, but twice, <laughs> two times. First, he got replaced by Kyler Murray, and then he just now got replaced by Tua Tungavaloa. And it's very clear to me, two teams have had Josh Rosen on their roster and decided, you know what, we're going to move on instead of build around him. Enough said to me, that's very, very telling. And it seems like people want to work with Josh Rosen, and then they, they work with him and realize, eh, we don't really feel bad replacing him. If you work with Josh Rosen, then don't feel bad replacing him. That's very, very telling. The Jets struggled for the last two years with Sam Darnold as their quarterback, but they realized, okay, Sam is talented. Sam Darnold isn't the problem in New York. That's why, and in spite of having a bad situation, the Jets haven't given up on Sam Darnold. The Dolphins did. The Cardinals did. Josh Rosen has had two different, not one, two different coaching staffs have worked with Josh Rosen and then decided he's not worth building around. I don't know what else, what other information you need. It's over. Josh Rosen is a bust. I don't know why people keep insisting he gets more chances and he's been screwed over and it hasn't been fair to him. So many quarterbacks get opportunities. Josh Rosen didn't get one opportunity he got one with the Cardinals, then he got another one with the Dolphins last year. Two times now, Josh Rosen has been given a chance to become the franchise quarterback, and he didn't take advantage. I, I, that's more opportunities than most people get. A lot of people never get an opportunity to be an NFL quarterback. Josh Rosen got two and didn't make it happen. It's very telling to me. Josh Rosen is a bust. This is the third time I've said this. It's the third time I'll revisit this topic, the third and final time I'll ever talk about it. Unless Josh Rosen down the road does something incredible and becomes a franchise quarterback or has it been, I don't know. But I don't imagine I'm going to talk a lot more about Josh Rosen moving forward. I'm kind of beating, beating a dead horse at this point. But for the third and final time, Josh Rosen is a bust. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach. We'll end this show. I hope you have a great day. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break, and when I return, we'll talk to some people who wrote in on Patreon to answer questions from Patreon with Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. 
All right, we are back. I want to end the show today with some questions from the audience, although I want to clarify. I called this time Ask Zach, um, but if you don't have a question, you just have something you want to say, a comment or a concern, you can also write that. And I'll, I'm, it's, this opportunity is for people that listen to the show to write in and get their question or their thoughts or get whatever they have out. And I want to just kind of welcome more, more than just questions. If you have something to say, an opinion or a thought or a concern, I'd love to just hear your thoughts on maybe Kyler Murray, Dwayne Hastings, whatever the thought is. Share your thought, and I'll respond and tell you, do I agree? Do I disagree? It's an opportunity for the audience to share their opinion as well as their questions. And I want to just kind of open that up. Now, I do want to clarify. I do call this Ask Zach. It's my favorite part of the show because I get to hear from you guys. Uh, it really... It's cool to me because if you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more. Please do if you want. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit a question on Patreon. And if you submit a question, I do not guarantee to read it on the podcast or answer it on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single question or comment with my eyeballs and I pick the top couple to read on the podcast at the end of every single show. Now, the first question today is from Jake. Jake writes in. He says, theoretically speaking, if Kyler Murray was to ever leave the Cardinals, what team do you think would be the best fit for him? I'm actually going to say this. I don't even want to think about Kyler Murray leaving. Honestly, I cannot imagine a better fit for Kyler Murray than the Arizona Cardinals. He's got everything he could possibly imagine or want or have. He's got Cliff Kingsbury running his offense. That's phenomenal. Cliff Kingsbury is a great coach who understands and works with Kyler Murray really well. He understands his strengths. He's a former NFL quarterback. He really gets Kyler Murray. You can tell the way they interact. I really like that, you know, when Kyler were throwing an interception last year, the play calling would ease off for a couple plays. Here's a couple runs. Here's an easy bubble screen. He would help Kyler Murray get back in the rhythm after an interception. I really, really like that. He's also got phenomenal receivers in Arizona. He's got DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, Two really good running backs, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds. And they are got a really young, improving defense in Arizona. Kyler Murray is in a perfect situation, the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll be honest, if I look around the league, I actually can't imagine a better situation for Kyler Murray to be in than the one he's already in with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the next question is from Himeth. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's—I think that's not a real name. I think that's— if it is, I apologize. I don't mean to be insensitive, but I think it's a name he made up for a username. He writes in, he says, with year two for Dwayne Haskins and the first year under Ron Rivera and Scott Turner's off. Let me restart this. He says, with year two for Dwayne Haskins coming up and the first year under Ron Rivera and Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator coming forward, how much of a jump do you think Haskins will make? Do you believe any of the other quarterbacks will beat him out to start, Alex Smith or Kyle Allen? How much do the Redskins improve overall next year? This is a little bit uncomfortable to say this, and I don't like doing it, but I do believe that, you know, the Redskins, other quarterbacks, you know, Kyle Allen especially, and even Alex Smith, they both have better arms than Dwayne Haskins. I know that's kind of rough, but I watched Dwayne Haskins. He's just not that gifted of a thrower, and I literally watched the Panthers play Dwayne Haskins last year, and I'm watching, you know, Kyle Allen's dropping some dimes on the Redskins. I'm like, man, Kyle Allen's arm looks good. I get why they brought him in. It's a guy who worked with him last year, Ron Rivera, had Kyle Allen on his team last year. It would not shock me if 
Kyle Allen was, in fact, the starter next year in Washington with the Redskins. I know people might mutiny, but it just would not be a huge shock to me. Um, now, if Alex Smith comes back, I don't know that he's going to, but it, maybe that works as well. Um, you know, the Redskins have a good coach in place with Ron Rivera. They've got a good offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. That's Norv Turner's son, Scott Turner. And Dwayne Haskins really has got to prove himself. I mean, this is a year where he needs to show why he deserved to be a first-round pick last year. You know, he's going to get a legit fair chance. I don't think last year he really had a fair shake. I think there was a lot of turmoil. Dwayne Haskins was thrown in really before he was ready last year, way before he was ready. And so Dwayne Haskins is going to get a fair opportunity this year, but he's got to prove he's got it. He's got to get better. Basically, every area of the quarterback position is something that Dwayne Haskins needs to improve at. He's got to get better with accuracy, timing, decision-making. His footwork's pretty good already. Um, but pretty much everything else, Dwayne Haskins has got to improve and show people what he's capable of. I don't expect a lot from the Redskins next year. I think they're kind of a they're a rebuilding team, quite frankly. New coach. Uh, I really like the Chase Young draft pick. They've got Chase Young. They've got uh, Montez Sweat, some really good defensive players. I forget the name of I think, is it Lance? Lance or Carlos Dunbar, their corner, who's really good. I apologize for forgetting his first name. But they've got some pieces in Washington. And, excuse me, I'm, I'm like burping. They're, they're rebuilding, right? And I think that that's what it's going to happen with Washington this year. And I'm not convinced yet that Dwayne Haskins is the guy long-term moving forward. We'll just find out. It would not shock me, though, if Kyle Allen, in fact, became the quarterback next year for the Washington Redskins. At least, you know, maybe not all year, but maybe part of the year Kyle Allen starts and then they give Dwayne Haskins the shot at the end of the year to determine whether or not they need to draft a new quarterback or whether or not Dwayne Haskins is, in fact, the guy moving forward. Now, the final question is from Alexis. Alexis writes in, he says, he or she, Alexis writes in, they say, after doing a film analysis of both Haskins and Daniel Jones, who would you rather have as your quarterback? Did the Giants pull a sneaky one on us by selecting Daniel Jones higher than Dwayne Haskins? even though it was controversial at the time. So Alexis, I would much rather have Daniel Jones as my quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. A lot of people are going to get upset at that, uh, but Daniel Jones is a better athlete. He can run the ball really well. He's got a stronger arm. He's more accurate. I thought he held his own a lot better last year as a rookie quarterback. And to be clear, both guys, both Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins are young quarterbacks with a lot to learn and still a lot to prove. But Daniel Jones is more talented and the Giants absolutely did the right thing drafting him number six overall. Dwayne Haskins was not the guy who should have gone six overall. It's clear Daniel Jones was the right pick. A lot of people made fun of that pick. Even today, I was like two days ago, I was looking at something on God, it was on Instagram, a picture of the rookies, you know, the rookie symposium or whatever it was. And it's someone zoomed in on Daniel Jones, his kind of like like his confused looking face, and you know, the same Eli Manning face that he makes. And someone zoomed in out and goes, even Daniel Jones is confused about why he was a number six overall pick. I wasn't. Even at the time, I said Daniel Jones is the right pick here. And especially after one year watching Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, I'm further convinced. Yeah, I believe in Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback in New York. To be honest, I'm still not convinced that Dwayne Haskins is the right guy in Washington. He still has to prove himself. I know that's not going to make Redskins fans happy. But definitely, Dwayne Haskins still has something to prove in Washington. So 
who would I rather? I think Daniel Jones was by far the best pick the Giants could have made. They hit a home run. People were mad at the time. But I think history is going to get a lot kinder as the road goes on. You know, Dave Gettleman's an idiot. What is he doing? No, he picked the right guy. Daniel Jones was the right draft pick. Daniel Jones, rather than Dwayne Haskins, was the right pick at number six overall in the 2019 NFL draft. Okay, uh, I want to end the show this way, the same way I end every single podcast. Four years ago, my younger brother took his life and learned two really painful lessons. Uh, Number one is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, My brother never told anybody he was struggling. Nobody knew. And so I encourage you, go talk to a counselor, a teacher, a coach, anybody who is an authority figure in your life. Go talk to them. If you're struggling, go get help, man. Please, I'm begging you, go get help if you're struggling. My brother never did. Uh, I walked into his bedroom one day. He was dead on the floor. And that's awful. I don't want that for anybody. So I encourage you, please, if you're struggling, go get help. If you have nobody... If you really have nobody you can turn to for help, I encourage you, call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255 as a last resort. If you have nobody else you can talk to, call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255. The second lesson I learned when my brother died was this, that make sure the people in your life know how much you care about them. Tell your friends I love you. Give them hugs. Make it clear to them that they can talk to you if they're struggling. I didn't do a good enough job you know, I, it's just a lesson I had to learn, I guess. You know, I unfortunately, I, I didn't know. Hey, I got to be clear. Tell the people in my life that if they're struggling, they can talk to me. Uh, a buddy of mine lost his mom recently. I reached out and said, hey, man, if you need to talk, I'm here. I love you. I care about you. If you're struggling, come talk to me. Make sure the people in your life know you love them. Give them hugs and make it clear. Hey, if they're having a hard time, they're someone you they can talk that you You are someone they can talk to if they're having a hard time. And then when they come talk to you, direct them towards professional help. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. 255, the next episode, is going to come much faster than this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I I love film analysis, man. It's so much fun. Hope you have a great day. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.